minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. I'm 
Na 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 
Oh, 
JM in the AM. Ka Echsof is an amazing selection off of the Lachaim Tish CD. A lot of people enjoy uh, using that one in their uh, Shabbos Miros repertoire. Uh, before that, we spend some time with the uh, Struli Williger uh, amazing um, Erev Shabbos uh, album dedicated to the uh, incredible work of the great Rav Shlomo Kalbach. You heard a bunch of Lachad Odi uh, selections in there, and the Moshe of Aaron, and of course, Regesh Modaani opening things up as we say good morning. It's Friday on this May 23rd, day 23, in the month of ER, the year 5774, Tuf and Today is day 38 in the counting of the Omer. Today is day number 38. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Bamidbar. With candle lighting time at 7.54 on this era of Shabbos. 7.54. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 7.54, the official candle lighting time on this era of Shabbos. Uh, let's see. Uh, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be Friday. A week from today, Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be on Friday. A one-day Rosh Chodesh, one week from today. And um, Monday is Memorial Day. Mayor Fertig is going to be here. It's uh, actually Memorial Day weekend, believe it or not. Take out the straw hats, take out the white clothing, and get ready. Memorial Day weekend is here. Hard to believe that we actually got to this point after the winter we had. But, hey, thank goodness, huh? So uh, here we are, getting ready for a Memorial Day weekend, wishing everyone a safe and uh, memorable one, one where we'll recall all those who have fallen for the uh, for the people of this world that care about freedom and care about democracy and equality, Memorial Day this coming Monday. Uh, Wednesday is our Yom Yushalayim special. Wednesday is, <coughs> excuse me, our Yom Yushalayim special. Uh, you'll have uh, you'll have Mayor Weingarten and myself celebrating the reunification of Jerusalem. Yom Yerushalayim special this coming Wednesday, and it's also another very special day. It's actually the official launch date of the brand new Nachum Siegel Network app. Some of you may have the update already, because I'm told that Apple allowed it to go through. So some of you may have the brand new app update already. Uh, let us know what you think of it. Meanwhile, I'll remind you that the uh, official launch date for the Nachum Siegel Network brand new app is this coming Wednesday. I hope everybody out there... We'll be installing it. 59 degrees. We got showers today. I didn't realize it was supposed to rain today. High temperature of 73. Showers tonight, low 56. A few showers tomorrow. A high job is 72 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 79. We're at 59 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. A big shout out to the, uh, to the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. I'll be able to tell my grandchildren that I saw the Toledo Mudhens win a game, the legendary franchise. They were at Lehigh Valley last night. But it was it was Jewish Heritage Night, and it was just so much fun. We met a lot of amazing people from the Jewish community of Allentown and the surrounding areas, met the uh, leadership of the Jewish Federation, uh, actually uh, um, met the uh, person who joined us on the air, Barry Halper, who was with us earlier this week and coordinated everything. And it was just a wonderful night. It was just great. The rabbi of the community uh, came over. 
uh, from Congregation Sons of Israel and threw out the first pitch and uh, we had a nice discussion about the community. It was really a, uh, and, and less than two hours from this area, it was really a great road trip. So a, a big yeshikach to those who are uh, exuding Jewish pride and making sure to gather hundreds of people together in a Jewish heritage night. We did get the, uh, we did, we did get the Chazi Ray Barzell cap. <laughs> I think you can see a photo of that on Facebook under my profile, Nahum Siegel. We did the, the Chazi Ray Barzell, the Iron Pigs in Hebrew, which was a lot of fun. And, um, <laughs> it was just the, the whole day was, uh, was a great one in the, and the night was, uh, was so much fun out there in the stadium. Lenny Solomon and Schlockrock, including Steve Bill and Ethan Bill and Jordan Hirsch were all part of the group last night. They performed a wonderful performance before the game. Lenny Solomon, Schlockrock, um, brought in for Jewish Heritage Night and it was really great. And, um, I spoke to Lenny late last night on the way back. I don't think he was too happy with the result of the Ranger game. I, I hung up with him about two minutes before the goal was scored. So I would have a feeling that, I have a feeling that he wasn't too happy, but uh, he was happy with the night in general. It was just a great night out there with Schlockrock and, uh, and Jewish Heritage Night. So there you have it. Uh, just a lot of fun. JM in the AM getting ready for Memorial Day weekend. We've got uh, Malcolm Holmline about an hour from now with the weekly update. Levy Connis is here from Israel. He'll join us a little later on in this hour because he's producing a major Mincha Mariv Sphira event for this coming Sunday night in Brooklyn, the Talmud Torah Flatbush. We'll give you details on that and plenty more if you keep it at 91.1 FM. 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, jmandtheam.org.
Harry Henry. In the AM, Mordechai Ben David and company off of the Shabbos with the Werdegers CD and Sormi Shalom here on AJM in the AM Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Before that one, you heard Shlomo Katz with Curry Bone off of his Live in Melbourne production. You heard the Yeshiva Boys Choir with Curry Bone and Menucha Vesimcha done by Ari Goldwag. And uh, we opened up that set with Lenny Solomon off of a Shabbat in Liverpool with a Mazel Tov to Lenny, who we saw last night at the big game in Lehigh Valley. On his uh, 50 state accomplishment. 7 o'clock in the morning on a Friday. Erev Shabbos Parshas Bamidbar. This is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web. JMTheM.org. Levi Kanis is going to join us. He is producing a major event this coming Sunday night at the Talmud Torah of Flatbush. On Coney Island Avenue, it's one of those classic Mincha Marev Sphira concerts 
by some of the world's greatest cantors. We'll talk about that coming up this half hour at JM and the AM. Candlelighting tonight at 7.54. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be Friday, a one-day Rosh Chodesh, Friday of next week. Reminder that Monday is Memorial Day. Mayor Fertig will be sitting in for me this coming Monday. And Wednesday is Yom Yerushalayim, which means that Mayor Weingarten and I will be celebrating between 6 and 9 a.m., and you're invited to join the party this coming Wednesday morning in celebration of Yom Yerushalayim right here at JM in the AM. Wednesday is officially the day that the Nahum Siegel Network brand-new app is going to be released. I know many of you, especially those of you who already have it, have gotten the update, and uh, we want to hear from you. Let us know what you think. I have a feeling you're enjoying it. It is um, an amazing upgrade in the world of apps uh, compared to what we've had in the past. So check it out. If you're not familiar with what I'm talking about on your Android or on your iPhone, you'll be able to search Nahum Siegel Network and get the brand-new comprehensive app. Galitzal in the background. News from Israel is next. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next on day 38 in the counting of the Omer. We say Boker Tov from JM and the AM. גליצן השעה שתיים, כאן שיבל קרמי מרסור עם מה שקורה עכשיו. המרוץ לנשיאות מקורביו של דוד לוי אומרים כי האפשרות שהתמודד עדיין לא ירדה מהפרק. כתבנו עידו בן בג'י דוד מנסה לגייס מספיק קולות כדי להבטיח את מקומו בסיבוב השני של הבחירות לנשיאות, אומר גורם בסביבתו של לוי ומוסיף אם יזכה לתמיכת ש"ס, ישראל ביתנו וחלקים מהליכוד, בהחלט ייתכן שייכנס למרוץ. עם זאת, גורמים בליכוד מעריכים שהסיכויים של לוי אינם גבוהים, וכי כלל לא ברור האם ראש הממשלה נתניהו צפוי לתמוך באחד המועמדים. השר נפתלי בנט מגיב על הרעיון של ראש הממשלה נתניהו ברשת בלומברג, בו רמז כי הוא שוקל הצעות להתנתקות חד-צדדית ביהודה ושומרון. כתבתנו אלעיל שחר שמעה את בנט. אני שומע בימים האחרונים דיבורים על מהלכים חד-צדדיים. אני מסכים, אני תומך. אנחנו צריכים להכיל באופן חד-צדדי את החוק הישראלי על שטחי C, על גוש עציון, מעלה אדומים, אריאל וההתיישבות היהודית ביהודה ושומרון. הגיע הזמן שמדינת ישראל תיטול את היוזמה ותעשה מה שטוב לישראל. כתבנו רום ליאור מוסר שבתוך כך שר האוצר לפיד התארח היום בוועידת היובל של התנועה ליהדות מתקדמת ומתח ביקורת על השימוש שעושים לדבריו חלק מתושבי השטחים במסורת היהודית. יש כאלה שמקדשים את המצוות לא בין אדם למקום אלא בין אדם למקומות מסוימים ביהודה ושומרון שזה בעיניי פשוט סילוף של המהות היהודית וערכי היהדות. עשרות צופים פונו מהופעה בבית האופרה בתל אביב בגלל עשן רב שאפף את האולם. אין נפגעים. כתבתנו שרון פולבר מוסרת שמחקירה ראשונית עולה שהעשן נגרם ממערכת הגברה בקומה החמישית שהחלה להתלקח. כלת פרס ישראל לספרות, הסופרת יהודית הנדל, הלכה הלילה לעולמה בגיל 93. בין ספריה המוכרים, רחוב המדרגות, ליד כפרים שקטים והכוח האחר. כך נשמעה הנדל לפני כ-12 שנים, בריאיון לציפי גון גרוס, בספרים רבותי ספרים. אני לא זוכרת פרצופים, אבל משפ... משפטים תקועים אצלי חזק בראש, ואני יכולה להתהלך עם משפט שנים שנים. 
ביטון מופיע, הוא צץ למעלה והוא מופיע באיזה סיפור. ביקר אותי אז דן מירון, אז הוא אמר שיהודית, מה שיציל אותך זה הכתיבה, הרצון העצום לכתוב, ואני חושבת שהוא צדק. איראן חוסמת לאזרחיה את הגישה לאינסטגרם, כתבנו עומר ולדמן. סוכנות הידיעות מהר דיווחה כי בית המשפט באיראן הורה למשרד התקשורת בטהרן לאסור את הגישה לרשת החברתית מחשש לפרטיותם של המשתמשים האיראנים בה. עם זאת, לפי שעה, הגישה טרם נחסמה. התחזית בסוף השבוע בלי שינוי של ממש בטמפרטורות, אלה החדשות שעורך חדר שיפר בצוות נינה בסר אילן ומאי דוידוביץ'. J.M. in the A.M., five minutes after 7 o'clock. That was the news from Israel. Weekly update coming up. Uh, that'll happen with uh, Malcolm Holmline about a half hour from now right here at J.M. in the A.M. Well, this coming Sunday night, the Mincha Mariv Sfira concert is being produced by Levi Kanis, and he's in our studio, and we'll speak with him in a moment. The Mincha Mariv Sfira concert, which is always a highlight of the cantorial calendar, is going to star Cantor's Yaakov Motzen, Yaakov Stark, Zevi Muller, and someone who uh, Dr. Mordechai Sobel calls the future generation of Chazanim being already here, in reference to Cantor Tzvi Weiss, who is here from Israel, and in fact joins us in our studio this morning. Plus, you'll have the Aaron Miller Memorial Choir, directed by Shimmy Miller, all this coming Sunday night, the 25th of May, Sunday of Memorial Day weekend at 7.30 p.m. at the Talmud Torah of Flatbush, 1305 Coney Island Avenue, in Brooklyn, New York. Tickets available at a bunch of places. You can call for information and reservations at the following number, 908-217-1358, 908-217-1358. Levi Kanis, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much, Nachum. How are you, sir? Baruch Hashem. Always a pleasure to be here and greet your listeners. Why is it that aside from, I don't know, Elul, maybe Tishrei, why is it that Sphira is always the centerpiece of the cantorial calendar. What is it about an adventuring sphere? Well, one of the main reasons is because it's in a time that there's no activities. Mm. So it's a time that people are a little hungry for a little bit Yiddishkeit. <laughs> so that I always found, especially Hasidim, oh, this is a chance to come and hear Chazunim and hear Tfileh and connect. And this is what will happen on Sunday night in Brooklyn, New York. Cantor Yaakov Motzen, a lot of people are familiar with, right? Internationally known, certainly. One of the great Chazonim uh, from the last 25 years. In fact, I think he was just in Israel recently, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Yeah. He just came back. So he's everywhere. He's all over the place. Cantor Yaakov Stark, you're aware of how well he's been taken, this very young Cantor, right? Yaakov Stark is probably the most outstanding Chazon today in North America. People love his style, his voice. Be he's careful, his colleagues may be insulted. No, listen, <laughs> uh, everybody has his kavod menuach lefenav in front of him. Yaakov Motzen is Yaakov Motzen. Right. He's not going to change anything. But Stark could be at the top, top level? Stark is definitely also very highly quoted. He's coming uh, to Israel for a concert uh, in June wow. with the Philharmonic of Israel. Nice. Uh, so uh, 
And uh, he's, he's very highly quoted. I'm going to ask my friend Charlie Bernhout if you're accurate that Stark is that close to the top, because I trust his opinion when it comes to Hazan Amino. 100%. Charlie <laughs> is a wonderful person, and I must tell you that I appreciate all his help. Oh, he does amazing. it out of love for Hazan He's amazing. And Cantor Zevi Muller. Zevi, if I'm not mistaken, is Lincoln Square Synagogue, right? Right. Now, Zevi Muller, I started my career as a, a manager to help Hazan with Benjamin Muller, his right. uncle. Antwerp. Yes, in the 70s. Right. I made many concerts for him. He was one of the top chazunim in the world. We play him a lot Slichus time. Right. So he came from a line of great cantors, and he's definitely uh, the pet of the New York chazunish uh, lovers, especially Charlie. Yeah, he loves him. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I, I know why. But then he's going to love Vice as well, because Vice is... Well, we didn't even get to Vice yet. <laughs> Hang on. So already, for Mincha, Marev, and Sfira... Cantors Yaakov Motsin, Yaakov Stark, and Zevi Muller, you would think that would be enough. You would think that would be a production in and of itself. But you have gone ahead, Levi Kanis, for this coming Sunday night, and you've brought in someone whose name is Cantor Tzvi Weiss, direct from Israel. And he's, in fact, in our studio this morning. We say Boker Tov. Good morning to you. Good morning, Bokatov. You could speak a little bit for him because his Hebrew is uh, much better than his English, if you yep. know what I mean. <laughs> and Cantor Weiss hails from where in uh, in Israel? He's a Modian elite, he said? That's right. He lives in Modian elite. And does he have a regular cantorial position, or is he too young for that at this point? Where is he in his no, career? No, he, he had a only Rosh Hashanah in Kippur. He right. was, uh, when he came to me, if I thought he had potential... And he sent me a piece to listen to. I said, too good to be true. Hmm. I said, why don't you come tomorrow to my village, Kvaharoe? I want to hear your nusach. I'm one of those people that a chazan has to know nusach. He has to know how, how to say a good tikan to Shabbos more than chazunish, a zuger. Right. You know, and not a dragger. <laughs> that you finished it, Phil, 10, 15 minutes later, but with a feeling and a beautiful voice. So I sent his tape to Inglewood, New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, and they were looking for a chazan to replace Chaim Adler. Right. And right away they loved it, and they hired him, and he was there for two years, Rosh Hashanah Yekipur. Including this past Yom Narayim? No, this is uh, talking about years uh, five years ago. Okay. Unfortunately, after two years, they had to cut the budget. Like, mm -hmm. And, of course, the first ones, they cut the budget <laughs> without a chazunim. <laughs> Just ask a chazan, he'll tell you. <laughs> so that uh, now, uh, last year... He was in a very prestigious uh, shul in Safon, Tel Aviv, yep, the shul of the famous Rav Gorin, mm. where all the, you know, who is who in Israel, Davins. Right. And I was told by one of the great builders of Israel, he says to me, this is the first time in my life that I was sorry Yom Kippur finished. <laughs> I could have sat another hour. <laughs> is, is he, age-wise, is, is he basically in the same category as Stark and Muller, or is he even younger than them? No, he would, uh, he's a Tzvi... Was born in 1886. 1986, I hope you mean. No, I meant 1886. 1886? Because his style is from ah, the 30s. Ah, very good. <laughs> in other words, so he came 100 point. years too late. So you're but uh, his, his style is a Kvartin, a Malavsky, right. you so, know, with the Krechts. So he's a youngster <laughs> with an unbelievable repertoire like a 60 or 70-year-old Chazim would have, you're saying. Definitely. I mean, uh, this Sunday night, how many seats are there at the Tamatora Flappers? Is this, this going to be sold out? Is this going to be packed? I, I, I think? I think it should be 
full up. There's about 700 seats there. Right. Very good. Very reasonable. Right. And so people should not wait. They should get their tickets, get the information. Yes, people have been getting their tickets, and uh, they can phone the, the numbers you mentioned, and it will put aside for them to pick it up. They can, like you said, go to Mostly Music, to Eichler's, right. and buy the ticket. And from 6 o'clock, the tickets uh, will be sold at the Talmud Torah at the, on, on site. 1305 Coney Island Avenue. Levi Kanas is here. It's Mincha Marev and Sphira. You know, we all, whenever Charlie does an event like this during Sphira, we always ask him, who's going to count Sphira? Who's going to count the Omer? Has that been decided yet, or we don't know yet? No, who's yes. I'll tell you, one of uh, my sponsors, yeah. who's helped me all these years uh, make this uh, dream come true of a Sphira concert, is Dr. Henry Lieberman. Hmm. Now, Dr. Henry Lieberman is... Uh, you know, one of the great fans of Chazan uh, uh, Pinchik. Right. And he himself wrote a Sviros Oimer, which uh, on this record here that uh, that we put out three years ago when we brought Sui here, Sviros Oimer, Dr. Henry Lieberman. Right. It's a beautiful piece, and uh, he will present that. So Dr. Henry Lieberman is one of the sponsors of this evening here, thanks to Dr. Henry and his wife, Joan. And... Uh, and Cantor Weiss, therefore, will count Sphira. Yeah. Right. Simple he will, as that. He will finish the evening with Sphira right. Soimer and the Sphira. As we say in baseball, he's the cleanup hitter. He'll, <laughs> he'll be there to make sure to uh, really hit it out of the park. Well, I'll tell you, the way we set it up is that Chazen Zevi Müller will do Minche. Okay. And, in, of course, inside Minche, there are several beautiful pieces, interpretations right. he right. can do. Then is a few pieces uh, that Tzvi will do t- and Yaakov Stark, two pieces each, in between Minche and Marev. Right. Chazan Motzen will daven Marev, and Svi finishes the evening with Svira Soimer. Very nice. That's yeah. a great lineup. Yeah, it's a definitely top lineup in uh, today. That's the attraction. Uh, the the Chazanim that are participating are all very popular and very good. You know that the Charlie is quelling listening to this conversation. You know that. <laughs> all right, you handed us a Kehila Sakodesh. Explain who wrote this piece and and then tell us about uh, Cantor Weiss singing this piece. Well, Kehila Sakodesh is uh, interpretation from Shmuel Malavsky. It's very famous. It's with a choir with an eight-year-old boy that uh, is involved here. Yeah, in here. It's one of the most uh, moving pieces. Because, of course, of the nature of the interpretation, I personally, I get goose pimples and tears because I'm a Holocaust survivor and my whole family went, uh, was butchered in the Holocaust by the Nazis. Only my mother survived and 357 Kanises perished. So to me, this piece awakens all this feeling. And when he sings it, I start to see my grandparents and their brothers and sisters, Kehila Sakoidish, Masruet Nafsham. It's very moving. When your and audience this, will this, hear it. And this Shabbos, even though we've been Shosh Chodesh, most shuls will say it because it's Sphira. Yeah. So it's... So it's uh, yeah. he, will right. si- he will sing it also at the concert because it's, it's an amazing piece. All right, it's an 11-minute piece. How much of this should we do for our audience? Should well, we a couple of minutes if you... Uh, Here he is, uh, the young Cantor Tzvi Weiss from Israel with a selection entitled Tequila Sakodesh. Dr. Mordechai Sobel gave him great compliments, and Dr. Sobel to us is one of the great Mavinim when it comes to music and cantorial selections. Well, I'll tell you, luckily for us, Dr. Mordechai Sobel is in love with Tzvi Weiss. Huh? He there told you go. me, Levi, I've been waiting for a young man like this all my life. 
One of the most important endorsements you could have. In the last two concerts that Dr. Sobel did with the Philharmonic Orchestra, Zvi starred in both of them. And one, it was an evening of uh, dedicated to Yossel Rosenblatt. He did Acheinu Kol Beis Yisrael. Wow. He finished the evening with two and a half thousand people. That's on here, I think, right? Isn't that uh, right? Yeah, Acheinu's yeah. on here. No, Acheinu is not on here, no. On here... We have Ano Avdo Moshe Ah, on a video, it's yeah. on there. Yeah, on video. I got gotcha. you from there. And then the last concert that we did, the 9th of April, he brought some stars from Israel, like uh, from state from the states, Yankee Lemmer, Nathaniel Herstick, oh, Uzi Bloomberg. Both phenomenal. Yeah, and Tzvi Weiss, of course, who interpreted Uvechenyi uh, Hirotzoin from Moshe Stern, which is smashing. Moshe Stern told him. I must tell you, you're the only cousin that I know that can do this piece at least as well as I did. <laughs> okay. Let's listen to Kent and Tzvi Weiss with Kehila Sakodesh. The event is Sunday night, everybody. Mincha and Mariv, pieces between Mincha and Mariv, and of course, Tzvi Ressa Omer done by Kent and Tzvi Weiss. Up so we don't have to hear too much. All righty, I'll do that. I will do that. Friday morning broadcast on day 38 in the counting of the Omer, and Kent and Tzvi Weiss is in studio. Levi Kanis is here. As we explore this coming Sunday night Sphere concert at the Talmud Torah Flatbush, this is JM in the AM. <laughs> Oh, 
Cantor Tzvi Weiss from Israel will be in Brooklyn on Sunday night. He's actually in our studio right now at JM and the AM, accompanied by Levi Kanis, who's producing the show at the Talmud Torah of Flatbush. What do you think? This young kid's got some potential, huh, Levi? Fantastic. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Um, <laughs> those who want tickets, very simple. Call for information at area code 908 Two one seven one three five eight nine zero eight two one seven one three five eight. The event, which is Mincha Marev and Sfira, will star Cantor's Yaakov Motzen, Yaakov Stark, Zevi Muller, and Svi Weiss from Israel, plus the Aaron Miller Memorial Choir. Good choir, right? They they put together yeah. some good voices. Oh yes, they've come along very nicely. They are directed by Shimmy Miller. Very talented. And that Sunday night at the Talmud Torah of Flatbush on Coney Island Avenue, nine zero eight two one seven one three five eight for information. Nine zero eight two one seven one three. Five eight. The, the chazan is sitting here, and I feel bad. But uh, with the language barrier, I'm not sure if I should. In, it, it, I'm not sure if he wants to be included in the conversation, or if he'd prefer not to be <laughs> well, included he, in the conversation. He's a little shy when it comes to English. I do want to take the opportunity yeah. to introduce the other guest that's sitting here, ah, Rabbi Avrum Kalush. He's my cousin. Uh, when he was a Small boy, I used to come Shabbosim to his house in 1955 when I went to Torah and so we've had a relationship when I used to toss him in the air and catch him. You know, like you, I'm a six foot seven guy, so this is a treat. Rabbi Kalish, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's very nice to have you here. Rabbi Kalish reminded me how we met many many years ago. Are you related to any of the Kalishes we know, like Dudi Kalish and uh, all the other famous Kalishes from Israel? No. All right. Sorry about <laughs> They're that. They're Kalish and we're Kalush from I gave, Munkach. Yeah. I gave it a shot. And I just want to take this opportunity yeah. to also thank the Rebetzin for the warm welcome, the hospitality she's giving me and my wife and the chazan at their right. home in Flatbush, Giti Kalush. Thank you so much. You think she's listening now? You better believe it. All right. Bar- and together sure. with Avram, they helped me organize this. They take the phone calls. They reserve the tickets. There, my uh, cheering. Uh, so you're all the way in Israel, and you know that it's all taken care of thousands of miles away. That's why I can do it, because I have room here well, to look after it. You have a real team, Levy. It's amazing. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm so impressed. 
So Mincha, Marev, and Sphira this coming Sunday at the Tamatora Flatbush. We have time for one more selection. You want to play something else from uh, from the cantor? What do you want to do? Up yeah, to you. you might play a little piece of the uh, Kosovitsky if you go towards oh, the end. What, the Avda? Yeah, if you go to the part that's uh, right near the end there. What they call ish, you know, fire, where the chazan goes into it. All right, we'll play the second half of the Anna Avda, which was uh, David Kosovitsky's piece, right. done by Cantor Tzvi Weiss, who's going to be counting Sphira this coming Sunday night at the Minchamar of Sphira concert at the Talmud Torah of Flopush. This is JM in the AM.
We've had an extra special treat this morning. The music and amazing selections of Cantor Tzvi Weiss from Israel. He is a a young, I don't know if I'm allowed to say how young. I was a little surprised myself. Can I say? Sure. A 27-year-old chazan. That's the voice you just heard. A 27-year-old chazan from Israel, Cantor Tzvi Weiss. He and Yaakov Motzen and Yaakov Stark and Zevi Muller. Do they all get along, all four chazanim? Everybody, uh, well, everybody gets, gets along, along with everybody. Oh, it's really. I don't want there to be any conflict. I don't want there to. I, I don't. He, he I don't want anybody back. to run up to David Mincha and someone else is going to object. You know what I mean, Levi? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want there to be a brouhaha at the top of Torah of Flappers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want someone to turn to somebody to count sphere and all of a sudden some other chazan wants to count sphere. You no, know what I mean? I wanted to tell you I've invited <laughs> yes. somebody as a guest of honor. Yeah. I hope he can make it. Rabbi Pesach Lerner. Oh, very nice. Pesach is a is friend, he into, uh, is a friend of mine. Music? Well, no, we're very friendly because we did uh, uh, some work a few years ago. But I admire him for visiting Jonathan Pollard oh, all these yes. years and supporting him. And really, Mikhaim, the mitzvah, you know, to go out no and give this man. So I hope Pesach can make it. And the other person I just want to take the opportunity to thank you very much for helping us is Yossi Bilik, hmm. married to Tsipi Spear, because <laughs> it's to Tsipi, because he's always helping, bringing a lot of friends, buying a lot of tickets to support the events. So very thank nice. you very much. And I'm giving a shout out to Charlie Bernhout, who I bet you is going to be there, right? Oh, Charlie's. Does he have a front row seat or not? You better believe he it. He has a front row seat. Right next to uh, my friend Avrom Fried. There you go. Because Avrom Fried loves Chazanish. You should put Charlie on the Bima, right? In a chair right next to the Chazan. That's where yeah, he belongs. That's where he belongs. <laughs> Cantor Weiss, Tadaraba. Thank you very much. I'm sorry we didn't speak more, but Levy did a good job speaking for the event. Yeah, what did you say? Yes. And continued Hatzlacha. And um, we hope to see you here again in the United States. Uh, Send our best regards to Cantor's Yaakov Motzen, Yaakov Stark, and Zevi Muller. Cantor Tzvi Weiss and the Aaron Miller Memorial Choir will all be part of the Mincha, Mariv, and Sfira event coming up this Sunday at the Tamataro of Flatbush, 1305 Coney Island Avenue. As Levy mentioned earlier, mostly music on 13th Avenue has tickets. Eichler's on Coney Island Avenue has tickets. You could also call at area code 908-217-1358, 908 217 one three five eight for all the additional information. Tadarabon, good luck. Hope it works out well. I'm sure it will. Okay. Levi Khanis from Israel. The event is Sunday night, seven thirty two on a Friday. Erev Shabbos Parshas Bamidbar. Candle lighting at seven fifty four on this Erev Shabbos. What we're going to do is the weekly update. Weekly update coming up with uh, Malcolm Honline. That'll be about uh, seven forty this morning, right here at JM in the AM. 
And those of you who are uh, anxious to hear about all the different things that are happening in Israel and everywhere else, you make sure to tune in and stay tuned into the weekly update right here at JM in the AM. A song that we have uh, designated as very possibly my favorite selection from the brand new Yaakov Shweki Kolot CD, Kamu Baneha at JM in the AM.
Amazing selection off the uh, brand new Yaakov Shweki Kolot CD, Kamu Vaneha, from the uh, Aishas Chayel. JMAM Friday on day 38 in the counting of the Omer. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas by Midbar, candlelighting at 7.54. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be next Friday, one day next Friday. Monday's Memorial Day. Mayor Fertig will be here. Wednesday's Yom Yerushalayim. And Mayor Weingarten will be in. We'll celebrate together. And the uh, brand new um, Nahum Single Network app officially launches Wednesday, but a lot of you have probably gotten updates already, especially if you have the NSN app. Um, so if you've done so, please install it and enjoy it. Let us know what you think of it. It's an amazing upgrade. And, of course, Wednesday we'll talk more about it here at JM and the AM. 59 degrees with showers and a high temperature of 73. 79 in Yerushalayim right now. 59 here in Jersey City. Didn't realize there's so much rain coming up over Memorial Day weekend. Hope it won't be as bad as they're predicting, my gosh. Hey, a big shout-out going out to the uh, <laughs> the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs and the victors last night, the legendary Toledo Mud Hens. It was an amazing Jewish Heritage Night out there in Lehigh Valley in Allentown. It was great meeting so many amazing people out there. Special hello to Barry Halper, of course. Special hello to uh, Mark Goldstein, Executive Director of the Jewish Federation of the Lehigh Valley. A uh, special hello to Rabbi Wolanski, who came over to me, the uh, Orthodox rabbi at Sons of Israel. It was uh, just a great night. Over 700 people for Jewish Heritage Night, thousands of people in the stands. Great baseball and just a lot of great Jewish pride. Lenny Solomon and Schlockrock, as great as ever. And uh, we saw Steve Bill and Ethan Bill and Jordan Herschel, part of the amazing group last evening. Just a lot of fun. The Precious Gems auction down in Florida is Sunday for Yeshiva Taurus Chaim Taurus MS. I remind our Florida listeners it's going to be in the Highland Lake Shul, a new location this year, the Highland Lake Shul. A special shout-out and good morning to our friends at Caring Professionals, who are again in the New York area, who again are a major sponsors of the event, and the prizes are just amazing. If you want to go online and check it out, uh, it's YTC Team dot org slash auction ytcteam.org slash auction should be a great event on sunday mayor fertig will be here monday morning and um and then we'll get into a really big week with the celebrate israel parade coming up the concert in central park coming up yom yushalayim coming up the brand new app coming up a whole bunch of stuff coming up so enjoy your memorial day weekend because you have a lot of activity to be <laughs> to be following next week right here at jmnam 19 minutes before eight o'clock reminder we have incredible programming all day long on our stream at jmnam.org i'm told by zk that naomi's show will be shown not just uh, presented in audio form but actually shown on our website nachomsegel.com at nine o'clock this morning so you can check it out and actually see what naomi is talking about not just uh, hear it. This week she'll do a good old barbecue in studio with Seth Levitt, owner of Abel's and Hyman, as they talk and taste all the culinary delights that A&H make and are available for this Memorial Day weekend. Also in studio, Sharon Lurie, author of The Kosher Butcher's Wife and The Butcher's Wife Celebrates. They'll discuss her amazing books and the Shabbat project she's been involved with in South Africa. All between 9 and 10 this morning with Naomi Nachman right after JM and the AM right here at JM and the AM. Org. Malcolm Honeline coming up, weekly update and more on a Friday. This is JM in the AM. <laughs>
Friday morning, Vavi Osim is Benny Friedman. Before that, Avremo Avram Fried with the brand new CD entitled My Zadis Miros with My Yadidus. You heard Yaakov Shweki and Kamu Vaneha. Friday morning, JM in the AM, candle lighting at 7.54, Memorial Day weekend, believe it or not. Monday's Memorial Day, Mayor Fertig will be in. Uh, don't forget, amazing programming all uh, weekend long on the stream. Tomorrow night, Avrami presents Saturday Night Seagull. Starting at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream at jmtheam.org. Sunday, Matis has JM Sunday, including uh, news from Israel in English, coming up at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream Sunday morning. Make sure to be tuned in and enjoy it. It's a live show every week. Kudos to Matis for that. It's day 38 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Wednesday is Yom Yerushalay, and Mayor Weingarten will be here, and we'll celebrate together. And if you... Um, if you missed the announcement earlier, our app, at least uh, the um, the iPhone app, the brand new update is out, the one we've been talking about for months, and you should be receiving notice about that officially. The app will be uh, kicked off on Wednesday. We'll talk more about it here at JM and the AM, but if you have the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app, that update should be available to you. Let us know what you think. I think you'll be absolutely thrilled with the way it uh, operates right now. JM and the AM, reminded that our friends from JewishWorldview.com continue to have amazing and incredible articles every single day on the web. Check out JewishWorldview.com, and I thank them for constantly reminding their readers about us and our amazing JMandTheAM.org live stream. Todarabah. Malcolm Holmline is with us. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Well, clearly the biggest story in the Jewish world this week, clearly, and I'm sure you were celebrating on the streets of Tel Aviv or maybe Milan or wherever they were celebrating, the Maccabi Tel Aviv EuroLeague Final Championship victory. Malcolm, I'm sure you've read every word about the accounts of the game and are just relishing in the incredible accomplishment of the State of Israel. Okay. <laughs> Am I wrong? Well, actually, the owners are good friends of mine, and I certainly do <laughs> celebrate the, the victory. I can't say I followed it, but I, I knew about it, and I sent them a congratulatory message right away. And it, But I was speaking to people in Tel Aviv and uh, at night, and they were still celebrating in the streets. There you go. You see that? So if anybody ever tells you the Jewish people don't know how to celebrate, they never saw a EuroLeague final. It's as simple as that. 
They're going to replace Simchas Besasheva with the, the EuroLeague. Come on! Both are fine. No replacement necessary. We should be celebrating all wonderful accomplishments and great traditions. Uh, so who's going to be the next president of the State of Israel? I see that Dalia Itzik's name is being uh, taken more seriously now than it was a few days ago. Would you say that she's on the short list at this point? Well, the list keeps getting shorter, and she is uh, on the list. Uh, she received the ten, uh, the signatures of ten Knesset members, which is necessary in order to be a candidate. The, uh, the dropping out of Sylvan Shalom, who many could perceive to be a front front runner, uh, was of great interest and speculation about the reason, whether it was because of uh, potential charges or other things that uh, persuaded him not to run or because he wants to be prime minister and thinks this might interfere. Uh, the fact is that the, the field is narrowing. I think Ruby Rivlin, the former speaker, is a front runner, although it's, it's reported that the Netanyahu's uh, don't support his candidacy. Um, then there's uh, uh, Fuad Ben Eliezer and a few and a, a few others, including non-governmental figures. It's it's a vote of the Knesset. It's a secret ballot, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Will Rabbi Lau be a uh, a serious candidate? No. And the serious candidates are out. Uh, they have until I think Monday. So if if they haven't, the, the fact is the Knesset may look for an outsider as a compromised candidate, somebody that they couldn't, all the parties can unite around without giving the other side a victory uh, or, or perceived victory. So this is, uh, and, and there is a growing movement saying we don't need a president. It was uh, perhaps at one time, but now it's a very expensive undertaking, and therefore maybe we should uh, reconsider. And there were motions like that in the Knesset, but... Obviously, that's not going to happen. Now. Yeah, but you last week basically came out on the side that it's a, a good idea to keep it. That's what it sounded like. I said it serves a purpose in having a unifying figure because of right. the and symbolically nature of Israeli politics. That, uh, but but again, the question is, what is the role, and how far into issues should a president get or not get, and that becomes then contentious each time. So. I'm sure it'll be an issue that will be debated for a while. By the way, from the Sylvan Shalom angle, is it possible to become president of Israel without the support of the prime minister? Like, is that even possible, or or you really need prime ministerial support to be, get pushed into that position? You need to have the backing of the prime minister, but it's not. Uh, it's a uh, it's a positive step, but it's not an essential because of the secret ballot and because of the nature of the process. You can win without the backing of the prime minister. Right. Uh, and uh, lastly, on this, strategically, a prime minister, I would guess, cares who fills the position. It's an opportunity, maybe, to get somebody who he thinks might be a political rival to step aside and you know be out of the real political arena for a while. Maybe it's a way to uh, to pay back somebody who did the prime minister a tremendous favor at some point. Strategically, it could be any of those things, right? Well, it can work the other way. I think it's usually that they don't want somebody who's going to use that as a platform to challenge the prime minister or the policies of the government. And that has sometimes happened with uh, Shimon Peres, uh, although I think by and large their relationship has been a cooperative uh, one. So there's two things. One is it's a way of rewarding somebody who they want 
they can't give a ministry tour someone out of the way for five years or seven years now i think it's a one year here's one seven year term or it can be uh, a defensive move not to have someone who will uh, embarrass you or challenge you in the media and, and in, on foreign visits um you know, putting the policies of the government up to question or exposure. Why were so many people upset with the uh, Chinese purchase of the majority of Tanuva? Well, anytime you have uh, a company that it provides, uh, and I think it's, it's perhaps the biggest provider of uh, food to, substitute to country, they get concerned when you have foreign control. But I think uh, there's there's less uh, of, of that concern being manifest than you might normally have. It's a $2.5 billion buy-in, but it's, it is controlling interest. But they don't buy the company. They bought just controlling interest, which obviously is important as well. And the company that bought it is uh, a government-backed company in China that has, um, I think it's the second largest uh, food company in, in China. But you have to see it within what happened in the last few days in China. The vice premier... I think it's, his name was Yan Dong was there, and they signed uh, an agreement to establish, number one, a $300 million center between Tel Aviv University and a university in uh, Beijing. Uh, the, the chief scientists were there, the others who came with him. 350 delegates from China came to participate in the Israel Innovation uh, Conference. And they signed three agreements between Israel and China, many of them very significant, and that Israeli companies will now be part of innovation parks in China. You have the research center in Israel. The Hebrew University set up a Confucius center. And the, it's, it's part of the expanding, but rapidly expanding, uh, relationship between the two countries, which is obviously of great significance for Israel. Many of the high-tech companies already manufacture in uh, in in China, the uh, ramifications of it obviously can be very great. They have the deals that they signed were with uh, one region of China, one of the provinces. Uh, it's, I think it's called Zhejiang, and they have a hundred million people there. It's called the Silicon Valley of Israel of uh, China, and this is really uh, carries with it obviously economic and technological implications for for Israel. Uh, so. The deal with the Tanuva is just one of many. There are delegations every week from China visiting Israel and uh, exploring opportunities in every realm. Is there any? They're especially interested in, in, in uh, water reclamation, in agricultural things, in high tech, biotech, uh, biochemical uh, areas. Is there any downside to this close of a relationship between Israel and China? I don't know what the downside would be. I mean, it's not, I think Israel goes into this with eyes open. You know, the, the election in India produced the victory of Mr. Modi as the new prime minister. He was the chief minister of Gujarat, which is uh, uh, one of the major states in India, 60 million people. Uh, and he has established such a unique relationship with Israel. Uh, every year, 2,000 farmers came to Israel from Gujarat. They did a lot in terms of water management. In fact, in 50 cities in Gujarat, Israeli presence in helping to reclaim and, and uh, uh, recycle water uh, and many, many other areas where you had uh, joint ventures. It, it, 
amounting to billions of dollars, and he has become a great friend of Israel. Hmm. And so the ramifications are not just economic, they're political, they build the ties between the countries, and China being a huge market for Israeli goods, Israeli services, Israeli expertise, uh, Israel is still a small country and limited in the region too often. Having these external relations, especially with the largest countries in the world, is vitally important. So follow the layman, me, as I as I then analyze this and say, if in fact China is going to have such economic interest in Israel, that will only continue to grow based on what you're saying, and if they have a tremendous admiration for the technology that's being developed in Israel, and they understand how important that is to them and to the world in general, one might suspect that if Israel is ever, God forbid, in a real conflict, and I'm talking about a military conflict, with any neighbor or any other country, at this point, maybe China would feel an obligation to either financially or in a different way support the state of Israel. China's traditionally, uh, China traditionally doesn't get involved in, in conflicts that are not direct interest. I mean, when they want to protect their perceived interests, whether it's islands or uh, uh, their claim to certain islands, whether it's with Japan or with Russia or with others, they are very active in pursuing that. When it comes to foreign involvements, they, they pursue their economic interests. That's why they are working with Iran and back Iran, because they want the energy and they are so energy-hungry that they will seek to acquire whatever they can. They just signed a huge deal with Russia uh, that will have broader uh, implications, but it also is Russia expanding to the east because of the complications with the sanctions in the West for their actions in the Ukraine. So China tends to be pragmatic, serving its own interests. Um, If it's neutralized over some of the issues that Israel faces, especially in the Security Council where China has a veto, that would be beneficial as well. Yeah, but now if someone attacks the Tanuva factory, they're starting up at the Chinese. Absolutely, and I think you should let all of Israel's neighbors know that and and uh, tell them what the potential consequences if any of that cream cheese gets ruined, they're in trouble. Yeah, but it sounds like you're taking the drop seriously, what I'm saying. I mean, if they do start up with places of great interest to China and that have an economic impact on them, they might get more involved than they would have in the circumstances you described. No, I wasn't being facetious, actually. I, I think your point is uh, is valid. It doesn't mean that they will go to war for right. Israel. It doesn't mean they're going to send troops. Right. But the more vested interest you have, you know, the, the Chinese tourism is up 30% in the last year. This has also implications for Israel's economy, for Israel's stability, vitality. The more that Israel builds, the more that the, the you know, the, the, the people involved, the brain uh, drain that Israel has suffered could be reversed and and these uh, others come and they share it benefits uh, it benefits both parties but I, I don't at all dismiss it I remember when Putin once told me that he told Arafat that if you attack Israel you're attacking Russia I right. have one million Russian citizens there right they are my, my people and if you attack them you're attacking me all right um, however the flip side is that Israel is too small not large enough to have any real leverage with China when, when when dealing with the Chinese-Iranian relationship that you just described or the Chinese-Russian business relationship that you just described? It's true that uh, Israel is smaller than, than China. Somewhat, you know, they used to say that Israel is, a, is an error in, this, in the census in China. 
Right. <laughs> probably represents one block in China and one exit in Shanghai. Or, or right. The point being, Israel has very little leverage. Because you know, most people would think, oh, look at this. Look at the position Israel's in. They could influence what China does with Iran or Russia. The reality is it's just not the case. Yeah, but relative to its size, right. it does have leverage. Right, more than you would think. Relationships. And building the relationships also matter in terms of what they will do, you know, in in, in times of, of real emergency. It doesn't mean that they're not going to sell things or buy things from countries like Iran or do business with the Palestinian Authority if this new government comes into effect. All right. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91. Point nine on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Malcolm Holmline is with us. He is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Yom Yerushalayim is Wednesday. We will speak, of course, next Friday post Yom Yerushalayim right here at JM and the AM. Why is the Pope's visit this weekend causing such a stir in Israel? Well, whenever a Pope comes, it's uh, of great interest. It's a statement uh, and what he visits, who he sees, all of that is seen as having implications. The recognition that uh, the, that the only Christian population that has grown over the years is the one in Israel. Um, I understand that he's going to visit one of the refugee camps or other places, meeting people that some Israelis uh, have raised uh, concerns about, that people have, uh, uh, one who's threatened to eliminate the state of Israel. Uh, but also in the visit in Israel, I understand that he's going to make some very positive statements. Uh, so the relationship with uh, building Catholics in the world is very important, and the visit is, carries great symbolism. Yeah. Um, he is going directly, traveling directly to what some people refer to as the West Bank, which is unusual, right? It was never done by a pope before. I assume they went through Israel, right, or th- through some Israeli areas in the past. And uh, he is calling, or, or is expected to call, according to the headlines, for a sovereign, independent homeland for the Palestinian people. Is that going further than other popes have done in the past? I don't think it's it's uh, breaking any new ground. I don't think that's the intent of this visit um, to to establish new political lines. Uh, but he doesn't want to leave with a bad feeling from the Israelis, right? He doesn't want. He, he'd prefer not to, although it may be difficult to leave and not have bad feelings on some side, right? Well, you no, know, I certainly think this is meant to do the opposite. Right. I hope that that will be the, the case. But it might be impossible to go ahead and... Well, he's not going to satisfy everybody that we know across the entire political spectrum, but I don't know. I guess we'll talk next week when we see what his quotes are, right? It's a very quick visit. You know, he's going to do one day in Jordan, then he goes to the West Bank to, to Beit Lechem on Sunday, and then Monday he's in Yerushalayim, and... Uh, I think that, and he's bringing with him uh, his rabbi friend and an imam from uh, Argentina, uh, and many people have traveled from the United States who, who work in, I guess, Christian-Jewish relations and others who, who have best interest in it. Uh, but I hope he'll also recognize that uh, about how other communities there have dealt with the Christian populations, where you see the executions that get very little notice, and the, the you know Christians were 20 percent of the population in the Middle East a century ago, and today it's about four percent. How do you, and even more so, how does the Conference of Presidents, which has an international influence, uh, deal with a story when you hear that those that that people are saying that it is Jews who are responsible for the Turkish mining disaster? 
we reacted immediately to the Turkish ambassador and to uh, people in Turkey. It, it is a, a consistent pattern that we've seen emerge as Erdogan has become crazier and more extreme in his uh, expressions because these things don't just happen. It's part of an atmosphere that's been created. Uh, and, it, and it moves on two directions. One is that they move towards some sort of reconciliation, even though not a full one, but, you know, that trade between the two countries continues to expand regularly. And then you have these kind of expressions, and, and Erdogan and his people in his government are prone to these views, and it's, uh, it's unacceptable, and I hope that the United States, Western governments, others, will hold him to account. And, and, and another angle, just in terms of uh, human rights, democracy, freedom that we're used to, actually Memorial Day weekend, this is a very good time to talk about it. Uh, what's your reaction when you see that Iran arrests people who make videos? Look, Iran's uh, domestic policies, its human rights record, gets no attention in the international community. They sit on the Human Rights Council, and they even were, were vice chairman, were chairman of the Human Rights Council. Their activities inside the country have to be the subject of far more attention and response from the West. It is an integral part of the effort to, to change uh, Iran. It's not enough just to focus on the, the uh, rocketry or the, the enrichment process, but what kind of a regime are we talking about? We're talking about where they impose these monastery laws on the women in a very courageous demonstration uh, appeared without the head coverings on Facebook, with their faces visible. They're subject to arrest. They will be arrested. But the truth is that that's the real secret weapon against this regime, is the people of Iran. And for too long, uh, the Iranian people have been ignored. When they do these demonstrations, there's very little uh, response or, or support. Uh, a professor there did a very courageous thing where he talked about who entrusted Iran with the right to destroy Israel. He asked, Does the United, did the United Nations ask us to do it? Did they give you authorization? I mean, why are you wasting all this effort? They see the economic implications of, their, of the nuclear program. People are paying the price. The government uh, has, uh, Khomeini has a $95 billion enterprise. He's not going to be hurt. You can be sure of that. But the, they, they are, we see the sharp increase just in the last week with huge amounts of heroin coming out of Iran, being caught in Holland, in Tanzania, in, um, in Germany, and they found it in carpets, in a, in a container that was supposed to have raisins in it. Um, and, and I think it's because the economic situation really has uh, deteriorated. They've even closed their oil offices in Venezuela and Bolivia, which was the vanguard of, of these activities, of their activities, and they they said that instead they're going to focus their investment at home, but it's because of the economic uh, conditions that uh, that they find themselves in. But the but the pursuit of their ideological goals and extremist political goals takes precedence over the needs of the people or anything else. And I think, you know, the West standing up to it, and and the more of a focus that would be put on explaining exactly what kind of regime this is, that the executions have increased under Rouhani that uh, the supposed uh, uh, moderate. We see all of the deception that's going on in their procurements. The U.N. Uh, put out a report this week about uh, how they evade the sanctions. They buy titanium tubes inside steel pipes. They did many other things. And, the, uh, and while the negotiations are going on, we see the span that the 
West says they should have 3,000 centrifuges, and they're saying 100,000. Where do they buy it from? From Europe, from others. Uh, you know, people are always ready to sell these dual-use technologies, which can be used. I mean, the steel piping could be used for other things. Are the Europeans... The side of it was the titanium uh, uh, pipe. Are the Europeans in violation of any agreement when they do that? Yes, some companies are, and there have been prosecutions of companies, including American companies, by the way, uh, responsible for shipping some of the, uh, these items. Wow. And also, they're, they're expanding involvement with Hezbollah, continuing with Hezbollah, but, but in Syria, and you see what kind of regime again there. You know that the rebels have been destroying ancient Mesopotamian sites. They have things on YouTube where you see a, a, a rebel smashing a 3,000-year-old artifact, um, it's like what the Taliban in 2001, and and these are guys who are being supplied by more and more sophisticated U.S. weapons. Division 13 is one of them, and you know we were told that they would be vetted, we would know who they are, and everybody, many people argued, you're not going to know who they are really, and who they will be, and and who we're dealing with in providing these uh, the weapons. It, it's a dilemma because on the one hand you don't want to leave them without weapons. Now we see how they're encroaching on Israel's border. You got um, uh, 2,000 Nusra troops in in the Golan area. You have Al Qaeda flags flying from checkpoints. The, the Syrian army disintegrated. That you have uh, uh, checkpoints set up where you have the ISIS, the the, uh, the Levant Islamic uh, State in, in Iraq and Levant, uh, engaged in these activities. And and we are providing weapons, or the West providing weapons, not knowing where they're really going to end up. Um, Senator Menendez, speaking of Iran, speaking of, uh, Senator Menendez from here in New Jersey, who we praised a couple of weeks back, you'll recall, he's chair of the powerful Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He withdrew the U.S.-Israel Strategic Partnership Act from the panel's agenda after it became apparent that a member of the committee was planning to include an amendment on the Iranian nuclear talk. Should President Obama reach a deal with Iran? With Iran and five other world powers to restrain the country's nuclear program. The measure would have forced the president to submit the full plan to Congress within three days. That would then give Congress the right to hold a vote of disapproval on the final deal and make way for hearings on the matter. Did Menendez make a mistake doing what he did, and how does this affect the way the U.S. is going to deal now with Iran? It does not affect how the U.S. will deal with Iran. Senator Menendez did a protective move to to save this legislation for, for later. They knew that this was going to become politically divisive. It, there was a lot of pressure from the White House not to have this bill pass in the form. It was because, not the bill, but because of the Corker Amendment to it. And uh, um, I think that the legislation will be reintroduced. The Corker Amendment certainly will be reintroduced. Uh, Senator Menendez has been a leader in this fight. He's been a courageous voice in it and he's uh, at the forefront of the battle to, to impose sanctions. He, he, they're not altogether all free agents when you have when the administration views it in different ways and thinks that their flexibility, ability is somehow impeded or, or that uh, Iran will react negatively. Iran reacts negatively to everything that we do, uh, including the, the protests. And, and uh, I think that the legislation, anything that, it, that enhances the leverage of the United States should be supported by the administration and by the Congress. Right. Well, the pro-Israel community, quote-unquote, the traditional pro-Israel community in this country was uh, you know, critical of it. That's why it caught my eye. Mm -hmm. um, 
Bibi, the Prime Minister of Israel, according to the Jerusalem Post, is taking the issue of annexation more seriously now than uh, he did in the past. Uh, is this just uh, public posturing, trying to get a partner back to the table, or do you think he's serious about it? Well, uh, Bennett has been uh, pushing this uh, agenda. I, I don't think that this is uh, really something that he, he is in a position to uh, implement at this time or would. I think it is leverage. You see how the PA and Abbas leverage everything, including this new arrangement with Hamas, which, contrary to what most people are thinking, is actually moving forward and could next week be signed in some form where they establish this technocrat government that will accept the quartet requirements in order to aid, for aid to continue, uh, although it may not. Uh, because anything with Hamas in it, and the Hamas leadership even yesterday saying we're never going to give up resistance, we're going to keep violence, we're not going to turn over our missile network to the to the joint operation or to Fatah, the um, um, uh, the the Palestinians, you know, have been exploiting all of these options with very little kickback from the West, not certainly commensurate with what it should be. Uh, with Hamas, Hamas saying now that they're going to model themselves after Hezbollah, which maintained an independent army, even though it was part of government, had its own its own force, as they still have today, uh, as opposed to the Lebanese army. Um, so, the I think Israel it, it has to take whatever measures are necessary to assure its security and, and protect its its, uh, its citizens. There's been an increase in violence. By the way, violence within the Palestinian society, especially against women, it's called femicide, and uh, violence uh, attacks against the Israelis. I think there were 150 last month incidents uh, in Jerusalem alone. So the the situation in some places has deteriorated, and, and you've seen more violence, and it's, it is exploitation, and in part it puts pressure because uh, for those who, who, uh, who don't want to see actually Hamas taking over. Was the Prime Minister wrong for not firing Tsippi Livni for her uh, uh, secret meetings with PA leaders? Well, he made his unhappiness well known. He was very angry. I know that the reports are that Lapid did not back him in that decision, but that's an internal political decision. You know, he has to weigh many considerations. There are people who are talking now increasingly about early election, meaning in, before the end of 2015 as opposed to 2016, uh, so or it could even be earlier. But I don't see the incentive, because I don't think anybody's going to benefit that much from it uh, uh, in a shake-up that would come with a, an election. So it's very similar to last time around. That the, that the, it's always similar. That the guarantee, the guarantee of winning another term is to go to early elections. Or because the situation becomes untenable. Because and you the, told us he wouldn't run for another term. You said Bibi wouldn't run for another term. Never said a thing like that. I think he did. Yeah. I think I think you With said one of your other guests. I think you conjectured that that would be his last term when he won the election. But this is what he's doing. He's in a position. You have the tape, so I can't <laughs> deny it. But he's... I don't think I ever said it because I think. Bibi... No, but by the way, I'm not. T- I'm not saying Bibi's not getting tired. I think. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Turn it over. I'm not accusing you of anything. I think in your <laughs> in, in your analysis, I, I know, you I, conjectured that it would be his last term. But now it's interesting. Just like last time, if he goes to early elections, the likelihood is he could win one more go around. I, I think he is the, the front runner. But if you look at some of the alignments that they're talking about, when you strip uh, Likud of uh, of Lieberman's party, 
uh, there are 20, and other parties could could coalesce. Right. And there's even talk of Livni going to some other party. I don't think that that is a major change. But uh, what prompts a member leadership? What prompts a member of the Israeli government to go have clandestine talks with the with the PA against the government's wishes? That make headlines? Well, first of all, she's very committed to, to moving the process forward. She uh, had the opportunity to meet with Mr. Kerry as well. And I'm sure in her mind she was doing something to keep the channels of communications open. Making a noble effort. But I think that in, in other governments, uh, she might have been fired when you go against the uh, will and the policy of the head of state. Uh, and especially as reported, again, I don't know if it's true that, that he asked that they not, that she not do it, specifically instructed her not to do it, or did not know and only found out after he arrived back from China that she actually had gone ahead and held the meeting when, you know, Abbas's behavior and his, uh, his rejection of the process and his um, shifting the onus constantly uh, onto Israel and now negotiating with Hamas, that's why I think it's particularly sensitive viewed in that side. On the other hand, you can say that look, somebody wants to, somebody has to keep the channel open yeah. forever to. Then maybe he got angry, and that was just a publicity stunt. I don't think it was a publicity stunt. I think when, when, uh, according to the reports, at least that uh, when other members of his, uh, when Lapid in particular said that they would pull out, this could jeopardize the coalition. I think he. Not to and finally, the U.N. will never move forward in getting Syria in front of the International Criminal Court? Not as long as, uh, as Russia and China and others can exercise a veto over it. And uh, they're backing them. They're continuing to provide more and more support uh, to, to uh, the Syrian situation. You've seen how much it has deteriorated with the killings uh, expanding, the numbers they said 10,000 people killed just in the last, I think, two months. Right. Uh, the the use of the chemical of the chlorine gas, um, the the increasing attention, by the way, to an issue we raised here for a long time about the the um, uh, foreign fighters and how countries are beginning to to try and look at how do you trace them, how do you deal with it, how do you anticipate that these trained killers are coming back in large numbers to Europe and, and to the United States. France this week admitted that they had 300 in the country that they knew of and 130 on the way and 130 already back. And the fear about what, what it represents, they, they arrested a, a group of them uh, just this past week. So this, this is a, a, an issue that is, um, uh, you know, that the, the fighting is not contained within the borders of Syria anymore, that this is spreading all the time and the implications both for Lebanon, for Jordan, which is of great concern. There's a new group there called the Zimzam, which broke with the Muslim Brotherhood to try and come up with a more modest and, and moderate policy. But at the same time, we see the sharp increase in weapons coming into there from, from Syria into Jordan. Kalishnikovs went from $2,000 to $500, which tells you how, mu- how many weapons are uh, crossing the border in these convoys. The um, and the Sunni Islamists are, are helping to finance and, and backing this. And then there are regions, in southern regions, uh, where you see breakdown of security and the, the, the uh, delicacy of the role of the King of Jordan and his position is a great concern to Israel, to the United States, to, to others, um, and especially given all of the other changes, specifically Iraq, uh, this 
the stability of the Jordanian regime is a critical priority. Make sure that, uh, well, I don't have to tell you this. I'm sure you'll do it. But everyone out there should make sure to tell their children and grandchildren this Shabbos what life was like without a, a unified city of Jerusalem. It was just 1967, Malcolm, that all this occurred, this amazing miracle. And people should not take it for granted. People, absolutely, what you just said is vital that they talk to them. You know, we have this campaign for Harris 18 uh, and trying to raise some money now to enhance the security, to make sure people have it available, a place where 150,000 Jews, where Menachem Begin, where Great Gedolim, where, where and I, I said in, in a speech there, if you had a city with 150,000 Jews that were in danger, let alone with that, all of these great names who, of Jewish history, of Jewish uh, uh, religious leadership, what would we do? We would do everything. And here we have a place, and it is in jeopardy. And the government has taken important steps, putting up cameras. It's, it is uh, vitally different, especially since the committee was started. Uh, but I think, and, and the Lubinsky brothers are leading it, and the many others being involved, uh, and we've had community events. But, but it's part of the whole thing that we take Jerusalem for granted. We don't think about the implications. And, and when we see the destructions of the place, and I, I must make one comment here about Hamodia's magazine to thank them for the wonderful article they did about the book, The History of All the Shuls Destroyed on Kristallnacht, Pogromnacht, as we call it. Um, but it's a reminder also that people forget the history, and we write it off to our peril, because then it only comes back and gets repeated. No question about it. And then with that, we say, learn how to celebrate everybody and enjoy Yom Yerushalayim and all the other great events, even the Maccabi Tel Aviv victory. Uh, Malcolm, have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak Bezrat Hashem next week. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos, Parshas Bamidbar, candlelighting at 7.54. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. It's day 38 in the counting of the Omer. 38, if you forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of beginning the fourth book of the Torah, Parshas Bamidbar, Sefer Bamidbar. Sefer Bamidbar is called Sefer Apikudim, the book of counting, because it begins with the counting of the Jewish people in the second year that they are in after they've left Mitzrayim, and it ends the book towards the end in Parshas Pinchas, where the Jewish people are counted again. The Nitziv in his introduction to the Sefer, basically tells us that the book is a transition from the Malamina Teva, from the supernatural existence that they experienced in the desert, being nourished by the Mun and having their water supply coming from the Be'er of Miriam to at the end of the 38 years later in the Midbar they're coming into Eretz Yisrael in a more natural way in terms of mitzvos found in this week's parsha, which contains the counting 
of B'nai Yisrael, as we mentioned. According to the Chinuch, who follows the opinion of his Rebbe, the Rambam, there are no mitzvos of the Tariag of the 613 included in this week's parsha. The Bahag, however, does count the last Pasuk in the parsha as one of the 613 mitzvos of the Torah. The end of the parsha is speaking about the roles of the Nevi'im. The Nevi'im were counted separately from the rest of the Jewish nation and we are told that the family of Kahas, their responsibility was to transport the Mikdash, the sanctuary, in the desert when it moved from location to location. At the very end of the parasha, we are told that there was a exact procedure that was to be followed. Namely, that when God gave the sign by the cloud ascending that the camp was to break and they were to move on, so Aaron and his sons would come and they would cover the holy vessels. They would cover the ark. They would cover the mizbachos, the altars. They would cover the menorah. They would cover the shulchan. And when and only when the articles were covered, then the family, the levium of Kahas would come and they would carry and transport these vessels literally on their shoulders. However, the Torah warns that they are not to come, the Levim, and to be present to gaze upon the holy objects while they are being, if I can use the term, dressed, while they are being covered. The last verse therefore reads, But they shall not come and look as the holy is inserted, meaning into its sheath, into its covering, lest they die. Now this death is not from the hands of man, it is Misa Bidei Shamayim, still most serious, and therefore the Levim were instructed to wait until the vessels were covered. The Bahag counts this as one of the 613 mitzvos. Now some say it refers to the Gemara in Sanhedrin, 81b, where the Mishnah speaks of if somebody were to steal a vessel from the Beis HaMikdash, that they are subject to this kind of punishment. Or 
some say that perhaps it refers literally to the context in which we had it, that Levim were not to watch the covering of the vessels. The Rambam cites the Gemara in Yuma 54a to show why he disagrees with the Bahag and does not count this last verse as one of the 613 mitzvos. The Gemara teaches in the name of Rav Katina. When the people of Israel would ascend and go to the Beis HaMikdash, please God, Shavuos is coming. And Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkos we did when we had a Beis HaMikdash. And please God, in the near future, we will ascend to the Beis HaMikdash when we have the third Beis HaMikdash. So the Mishnah says what was done. Megalgalin lahen es haparoches. They would roll up the curtain for them, meaning for the people to see. Umarin lahen es hakruvim shehoyumurim zebozeh. And they would show the Israelites that came to Oleregel that the Kruvim, the cherubs, atop the angelic figures, atop the ark, were joined together, literally hugging one another in an embrace. The Omrim Lahem, and the Kohanim would tell the people, Ru chibaschem lefnehamokom. Behold, note the fondness and how beloved you are before God, kechibas zochar unikeva, like the love of a male and a female. Now the Gemara asks, Rav Chizda asks, from our last verse in this week's parsha, v'lo yavo l'ros kivala es hakodesh, but the Levites were not to look as the objects were being covered. So, if this applied to the insertion of the holy vessels into their respective containers, and if the Levites in this week's parasha are prohibited to look at the ark, even as it's being placed in its cover, then how were the Kohanim permitted to display the ark to the general public on the Chagim. And Rav Nachman gives the following answer, that the, this prohibition did not apply when we had a base Hamigdosh. Mashal, to what may it be compared? To a kala, to the bride. Kozman shehi beves ovia. As long as she was in her father's house, meaning she's an arusa, She's what we call today engaged, betrothed, but not yet married, has not yet been under the chuppah. Then, tznua mi She is modest before her husband. And therefore, the Levim could not see. It was the relationship of like an arusa. However, kivan, shabasa, lebeis chamiya. However, once she's fully married, which is what 
the situation is when we came into Eretz Yisrael and had a base Hamikdash, then she's no longer modest before her husband, she's natural and at home with him and therefore the Jewish people could see the Oron and see the embrace of the Kruvim. What is the reason for the Levim not being able to be there when the holy objects are being covered? I'd like to suggest that the reason is as follows. Familiarity can bring with it, unfortunately, a lack of reverence. And the Torah wants to ensure that as important as and as honorable as it is for the Levium of Kahas to have this privilege of carrying the holy objects, there is to be this very clear demarcation. I can only get this close. I cannot go beyond. Namely, there has to be that reverence which is maintained. And so we find that in the Beis Amigdash proper, which by definition, shows God's incredible love for the Jewish people. Like the Medrash says at the beginning of Pasha's Truma, to what may be compared to a father that has but one daughter. And he says to his son-in-law at the time of the marriage, to tell you you can't take her away, I couldn't tell you. But to tell you that you will take her away from me, you can't do that either. And therefore, make for me a place, and I will be able to come and be with you. And similarly, God says to the Jewish people, for Asuli Mikdash, there's no greater love that God shows to his people than is literally residing in our midst. But at the same time, to make sure and to ensure that there is this proper balance between love and reverence, the Torah therefore charges us with the prohibition of there is to be a sense of reverence in the Beis And so the Navi Yecheskel says that please God, in the third what's going to be you're going to enter one way and you're going to exit another way and why says the Chassid Yavitz in order that you realize this is not your regular and usual home this is different in a person's home we go in and out the same way but to show that this is special the Beis HaMikdash it's going to be the concept of reverence is one that too often is lacking today. Our synagogues are a mikdash ma'at, and those who daven in a shtibel, but the very term shtibel comes from the Yiddish word shtup, and shtup means a house. It's wonderful that many people feel at home 
in the shul. They feel at home and they're able to daven with his slavos. They're able to daven with passion. There isn't that coldness during tefillah, which is wonderful. But on the other hand, unfortunately, if throughout they'll come early, they'll have a cup of coffee, they'll have a cup of tea, and what's going to happen is too often that line of demarcation is crossed, and therefore there's going to be schmoozing during the repetition of the Shemona Esrei and during the davening. And unfortunately today, if there's not schmoozing, there's going to be the taking out of your phone and getting and, and surfing on the internet. This is such disrespect to the it's that sense of reverence. On the one hand, the Torah says, this kibbutz avaim. And kibbutz avaim brings with it an incredible sense of personal closeness. How do we define the Gemara in Kedushin? Defines Kibud as doing for them what they did for you, to literally feed them if they need to be fed, and dress them if they need to be dressed, and look at the incredible closeness which could develop. And therefore, the same Torah says, Ish there is to be a sense of reverence. You dare not call your father by his first name. You are to stand when your father and mother come in. You're not to sit in their chair. This very delicate balance that we don't lose the sense of reverence. Well-meaning that people might be if a person at the Shabbos table will ask, now tell me, what did the rabbi say in Shul the Shabbos? And they'll refer to the rabbi by his first name. And Unfortunately, children at the table are going to hear this, not only for the sake of the children, that it is a once again a sense of, unfortunately, demeaning and bringing down that sense of balance and reverence that they are to have, as we find in the Shulchan Aruch Yoridea in Resh Mem Beis that just as we're not to call a father by his first name, so too also likros the rabbo bishmo so too you can't call the Rebbe, your teacher, by his first name. It's this very delicate balance which the Torah is teaching us at the end of Parshas Amidbar. And it's a lesson that we need to learn that will help us please God very soon when we're privileged to have the third base Amidbar and make us worthy thereof. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. and the A.M. That's from the uh, L'Chaim Tish CD. 17 minutes before 9 o'clock. Good morning, all. Naomi Nachman coming up at 9 on jmtheam.org. And that show with uh, Seth Levitt of Abel's and Hyman, a whole big uh, barbecue show for Memorial Day weekend, <laughs> is uh, going to be presented in video form. You could watch it if you go to the homepage at NahumSiegel.com. How cool is that? Well, Ben Shoshchodesh tomorrow. Shoshchodesh Sivan will be next Friday. Candle lighting 7.54 in this era of Shabbos, day 38 in the counting of the Omer. Yom Yerushalayim is Wednesday. We'll be celebrating Wednesday with Mayor Weingarten live in the studio. The brand-new app will be out by then. Many of you have probably gotten the updates already. If you have, let us know what you think of it. The Nahum Siegel Network NSN app. Bigger and better than ever. Showers today with a high of 73. Lots of rain over the weekend, it looks like, unfortunately. Maybe it'll hold up like it held up yesterday at the uh, at the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs game when they fell to the Toledo Mudhens. It was a great game, a wonderful night, a great Jewish Heritage Night. Kudos to everybody. Barry Halper, Mark Goldstein, Executive Director of the Jewish Federation of Lehigh Valley. Kudos to you. Kudos to Lenny Solomon and Schlockrock. Kudos to Abby Weiner. I met Abby Weiner yesterday. What a nice lady. Kudos to Abby Weiner. And a big hello to Shirley Levy and Muncie. A big hello to Shirley Levy and Muncie. Good morning, Shirley. And a big shout-out to the Iron Pigs team from the Almora Little League. They were there. They were spectacular. Took some great photos with them as well. It was a lot of fun meeting up with everybody. And uh, being there last night in the Lehigh Valley, thank you for the wonderful reception. I love, if you check out my Facebook page, I love the um, <laughs> Chazirei Barzell cap that they were giving out. <laughs> Hilarious, fantastic, and it looks great. JM, oh, and a big shout-out to uh, Rabbi Powers, the caterer last night. Great job on the kosher food. Great job, I must say. And uh, it was really good. Very reasonable, by the way. We bought the place out for under 25 bucks. It was incredible. So thank you to everybody who made it a really special night out there uh, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. J.M. in the A.M. with Strilly Williger.
J.M. and the A.M., there we go. Shirley Williger with Mim Komcha and a couple of great selections off of the Kalbach Friday Night CD here at J.M. and the A.M. Uh, coming up on uh, 7 minutes before 9 o'clock, reminder, amazing uh, music on our stream all day long. First, you'll have Naomi Nachman. She'll be doing the Table for Two program between 9 and 10, which you could see in video form. Z.K. reminded me that you could see that in video form if you go to my website, the homepage, NachumSiegel.com. Then at 10 o'clock, an amazing array of great Erev Shabbos selections all the way until candle lighting time. Could you imagine that? That's 7.54 Eastern time. That's a total of almost 11 hours of great Erev Shabbos music selections chosen by the one and only Mark Zamek. And that happens this coming, uh, well, the, today at 10 a.m. Eastern time on the stream at jmandtheam.org. Reminder that the big YTC Taurus MS Taurus Chaim auction happens down in Florida this weekend, and there are a lot of people in this area, up in the New York, New Jersey area, who are connected to the school. If you want information about any of it, you can go to ytcteam.org slash auction, ytcteam.org slash auction. Reminder, incredible, and I mean incredible programming all weekend long on jmnam.org. Of Rummy host Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night, beginning at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream at jmandtheam.org. And then Matis will host a fresh edition, it's always live, it's always amazing, of JM Sunday, this coming Sunday at the 7 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, including news in English from Israel that's going to be happening uh, during this show. That's a Matis with JM Sunday, this coming Sunday, 7 a.m. until 9 a.m., right here at jmandtheam.org. So amazing programming constantly. Make sure to be tuned in. Also, Mayor Fertig will sit in Monday on Memorial Day, and I thank him in advance. And I also remind you that Mayor Weingarten will be here Wednesday. We will celebrate Yom Yerushalayim, Jerusalem Day together. Celebrate the victory and miracle of 1967. If you're not familiar with any of that, listen on Wednesday. You'll be enlightened, and you'll see what kind of miraculous time we're living in during this era of Jewish history. Mayor Weingarten and I will celebrate all of that during the Yom Yerushalayim special this coming Wednesday between 6 and 9 right here at JM in the AM. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM.
say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well into the night. So throw away your hammer, there's nothing left to do. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. And around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. And that'll close out an amazing week for us here at JM and the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget tomorrow night of Rummy Host Saturday Night Seagull beginning at 10 Eastern Time on the stream, jmandam.org. Mat this Sunday morning starting at 7. Naomi Nachman is next and it is available on video form. If you want to watch the entire show, go to nachomsegel.com. You'll find it on the homepage. It's a fun show she did today for Table for Two. Check it out. Have a have a great weekend, everybody. And uh, I'm back on Tuesday. Mayor Furtick sits in on the legal holiday, Memorial Day, on Monday. And until uh, next time, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.